10, 5. He's into the end zone. Touchdown, Arkansas State. Deflected into the hands of Feltz. Avery for three. Hicks. Cover is safe. The Red Wolves have walked it off. Welcome to the Second to None Podcast, the A-State Podcast, presented by Simmons Bank. Now, here's a couple of guys who know the Red Wolves like no one else. Matt Stoltz and Brad Boba. It's Hall of Honor Week at A-State. We're going to talk about that here in just a minute. Also, a lot to recap as far as this past week in A-State Athletics, including the football team picking up their first win of the season back on Saturday night. And I want to give a little teaser. I want to tell you right now, stick around, because before at the end, we're going to talk about really hot-button issues. We're going to talk about the Arkansas State Red Wolves chant. Maybe even a little replay talk before it's over. When did the Arkansas State Red Wolves chant become a I'll hot tell you, topic? I'll tell you when later. <laughs> it is Hall of Honor week, though, and one of my favorite events of the year coming up Friday night. It's at 6 o'clock inside the Woodard McAllister Family Club area. And there's four inductees going in. Former men's golfer Brian McCann, who's a three-time All-Sun Belt selection. He played from 1994 to 1997. Candon Powell, who is a former first-team All-American thrower for the track and field teams. He was there from 2002 to 2005. Reggie Arnold, who played from 2006 to 2009 the monster the second all-time leading rusher in a-state football history and the final inductee the only player in sunbelt conference history to be named the women's basketball player of the year three times she earned four all-america honors in her three seasons at a-state former sunbelt conference female student athlete of the year back in 2016 and just a generally great person joining us right now here on the Second to None podcast. Welcome in, Andrea Gamble. Hey, Drea. Hello. How are y'all? We're Good. great. How, how do you like you that intro? My gosh, it's still crazy to go back and hear like all of the things that I've accomplished. But Ed, that's an amazing intro. Y'all are y'all are really good at Actually, what you do. I'm like, I'm not good, and I'm gonna tell you why. Because you, I was listening, to you, I was reading this list along with you as you're going through them. This Hall of Honor class, Brian McCann was playing golf when I got to Arkansas State, and the other three, you know, I was working there and, and had dealings with all of them. So I'm a little bit ticked. I mean, like that they're they're literally none of this class is before my time, and and I'm I'm a little bit hot about it to be honest with you. That means I'm get, getting old. <laughs> Well, you know the requirements on this, Drea. You have to be at least 30 years old to go in. And when I heard that you were going in, I'm like, there's no way she's 30 yet. And I guess you just had your 30th birthday, right? I did have my 30th birthday on August 27th. She's first ballot. Talk about beating the system. Like, she got told she was elected. She was still 29, but she'd be 30 by the induction. So she's good to go. I had no idea that that was even like a rule or however you the qualifications that you have to have to be inducted. I have no idea that was a thing, but I'm glad I made it in. Well, we're really glad to, and you're certainly extremely deserving of the honor. What was your reaction when you got the call that you were going into the hall of honor? Uh, I was shocked, not necessarily shocked as if I didn't know that it was going to happen. Cause a lot of people, uh, you know, told me that it, it could happen, but Obviously still shocked. It's so surreal to be able to to be in the Hall of Honor with all of the other prominent athletes that are already in it. So I'm just humbled. I'm grateful. I miss basketball playing wise a lot, but it's great to still be able to have all those memories. And then now 
I was really excited when they told me to send a picture in so they could draw my face because I'm like, oh, man, it's really happening. Mm -hmm. I've seen it. I've seen yeah. the drawing. Ha ha. Oh, is it good? Yeah, looks just like you. I was going to say, can you tell it's me? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, you're going to talk about high school, so do that because I want to ask about kind of that stop off on the college path before we got to Arkansas State. But go ahead and get us up to that Well, point. yeah, and I do want to start in high school because a lot of people don't know that you're actually a three-sport star in high school, Drea. You played not only basketball, but you played volleyball and track and field as well. Did you always know that basketball was going to be the, the route you were going to take as far as going to college? You know, I get that question a lot, actually. When I was in high school, I think majority of my time and people that know my story, I played three sports, so I didn't really have to go home. But I think I chose basketball because I didn't really know that there were like scholarships and stuff like that out there until my sophomore year in, in high school, whenever I started playing AAU basketball. And so then I got a little bit more knowledge um, from my AAU coach who was, you know, she's hounding me on, do you know you can get a scholarship for basketball and all of these things? And, and I was like, no, but then when I heard like free education, I'm like, man, like that's something that I need. So that's when I chose to really work at that. And I mean, I still played my other sports, but my main focus was basketball. And people actually don't know this either, but I, I did have scholarships for volleyball and track as well. So basketball was my first love. So I stuck with it. You signed with Denver out yep. of high school, but you didn't end up going to Denver. What, what happened there? When I took my visit in high school to Denver University, obviously going to Colorado is, I haven't been out of Texas. So when I got there, I was like, man, this place is awesome. And I wanted to go somewhere really far away from home. And so when I got there, I liked it. And I was kind of tired of the recruiting process. And so I just kind of made that decision. And then when it came time for me to actually go for those six weeks in the summer, I went and it was great as far as like, you know, trying to get the ground rolling as a student athlete and in college for your freshman year. But I realized very quickly that my teammates weren't really for basketball, if that makes sense. They didn't really care too much for the sport. And hmm. I loved the game too much. And I worked too hard for it to earn my scholarship to where I didn't want to waste the time. And I didn't want to be around people that weren't going to challenge me or didn't want to win for that matter because who likes to lose <laughs> but um so I went there for six weeks and didn't really work out as I planned but then I came back and I was like yeah I don't want to go back and so I didn't I ended up going somewhere else don't even really know how that all worked out the way that it did um was probably God's plan but but yeah I wanted to be in a program where I knew that they wanted to win and that they actually loved the game for the game and not just for student athletes going on campus and making this a whole like phase of, oh, I got to put on this special face and try to get this kid's campus because that's our job. But in reality, when you get there, it's not what it's all soaked up to be. So who's the first person from Arkansas State you hear from? Because it's, I mean, it's such an odd time. It's such a you kind of unusual window because you were really went to Denver for summer school and all of a sudden there's this time before the fall semester to get you somewhere else. So who'd you hear from? So are you talking about like right before? So I went to Kilgore after Denver for a okay. year and then 
right then, actually Todd Schaefer had a lot to do with it. Ashley Overa was actually on the team and Ashley reached out to Todd and, you know, kind of told him that, hey, I got this girl that's at Kilgore right now. Like, y'all need to go take a look at her. And from then, like Todd Schaefer went up to Brian Boyer and kind of told him, kind of showed him a little bit of film of me. And then Coach Boyer came to one of my games and the rest is history. So, yeah, the the rest is history. It is history, yeah. And after you played just the one year at Kilgore, so you you come to Arkansas State, you've got three years of eligibility, and it ends up being the best three-year run in school history. The combined record in those three years, 73 and 29, including a 27 and 6 record your senior year. When you look back on those three seasons and we'll talk plenty about the individual stuff coming up but just as a whole from a team standpoint what do you think about I think it's remarkable of what we accomplished over those three years I mean I think about my senior year the most I think just because of the my teammates that I had and uh, all the experience that we had going into that year but of course every March I think about my redshirt sophomore year you know the game winning layup to go to the NCAA tournament I mean I think about that all the time, but it's a journey. There's going to be highs and there's going to be lows. And ultimately there were more highs than lows, but obviously some of the lows for me kind of stand out a little bit more because it still stings, but. Well, because you're a competitor, I mean, that's what you do. Exactly. And, you know, and I try not to be like too hard on myself when it comes to that kind of stuff. But just like what you're saying is, you know, like I am a competitor and it does sting to lose, but if I didn't lose in that moment, I wouldn't kind of be the person that I am today. So I am grateful for all of those moments, and I'm grateful for all my teammates that I've had throughout those three years and and the coaches as well. So it was fun. I loved my time at Arkansas State, and I wouldn't take it back for, for the world. I'm a little bit, you know, in a way it sounds weird, but I'm relieved sort to hear you bring up the Sunbelt Championship game your sophomore year because if you kind of work it backwards you know they get upset by Troy her senior season with Troy kind of started its little run their junior season getting the Sunbelt finals and it's really just a kind of a back and forth just a dog fight with Little Rock that they make a play or two down the stretch and win but the the game her sophomore season and not just the game her sophomore season oh, kind of her out. sophomore season it's it, I mean it just I did it 12 years that was my 11th and honestly losing that game is why i did it at 12th mm. because it was just and it's for me heartbreaking yeah I, so i can't imagine for you guys because i mean that i'm not exactly absolutely just broken hearted over the way that game played out because oh. you know she mentioned you know they had a shot at the end led the whole way probably led i think by maybe 14 in the second half and and western as a kid come in and just and, and i mean literally kind of throw in a couple of threes and I'm not yeah. sure she didn't even bank one in to get a run started. Yep. 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 You know, the brokenheartedness of it after the game is probably what I remember the most still even, you know, missing that layup. But I remember going into interviews after not interviews, whatever you want to call yeah. it. <laughs> media room. Um, yeah. Media rooms. And so we went in there and I remember getting asked the question, like, what happened? And I was speechless. Like, I I couldn't even talk because I just I just cried the entire time. And, you know, going now, I, I really wish that I was able to speak in those moments. But it was very, like, heart wrenching. 
to say the least. Because it wasn't the same as like even the next year. Like I said, it it didn't. I mean, obviously you're upset about losing in the finals, but it was different because that game was just back and forth. Like I said, just a classic A State Little Rock battle. So it didn't seem the same. But I think what else was heartbreaking about that year, and I think you know we all learned or had to relearn a valuable lesson. That team, our sophomore year, that you know was the best team league gets beat basically at the buzzer in the conference finals was like a 34 RPI and didn't get in. They got exactly. leapfrogged five times by by power five teams for at large bids. See, I don't even want to talk about that either because it just it just <laughs> so you got her fired up, Bobo. Good. Irritates me because I mean that team. I truly believe that if we would have gotten to the NCAA tournament off of a bid, that we would have won possibly the first game that's just how much belief I had in my team I mean we were just as good as anybody that year so to not get that bid it was that was also very irritating and it still itches my soul a little bit but we'll be all right it's we're moving on (laughs) (laughs) think for yourself (laughs) (laughs) what was it uh what was it like playing for Brian Boyer Oh my gosh. Uh, Coach B, he's so chill. If you knew him as a person like outside of basketball, I mean, first of all, he loves music and we didn't really catch on to this until probably like my June. <laughs> he loves but, 80s rap music. That's what he loves. All He loves it all. And he's the first one to tell you like, he'll be up till midnight waiting for an album to drop and be like, hey, did you listen to the new such and such album? We're like, no, Coach B, like we just woke up, but he's just a chill guy. I mean, me and him got along really well. I still remember this one time that Coach B never really truly yelled at me a lot or had to because I, I feel like I'm pretty coachable. But I do remember one day he did yell at me during practice and kind of took me for a surprise because I'm not like used to getting yelled at like that. But <laughs> I he didn't want me to be complacent and so I appreciated him as a coach um he truly is a great person on and off the court so I, I've got to kind of match my years up with sort of I'm gonna ask this question and you'll get it kind of what trips did you get to take because here's the other thing not only you know, we talk about his musical taste but he also I mean number one he likes to travel but he also was very kind of mindful of the fact yeah. that there were going to be a lot of kids in this program that he could take places that they would never ever get to go otherwise and so we had a lot of cool places in those years and it was really was because you know he wanted to provide those kids an experience so where did we go in your years drea we went to cancun was a big one yep that was a trip it's hard to top that one yeah, that was a trip. I mean, granted, we, we didn't play our best basketball while we were there, but it was a great experience overall. Now, for me, like, I mean, I remember that one. So I could also say it's the only time I called a game where I called a game where we're playing University of North Carolina, and number 23 for North Carolina was the best player on the floor. Diamond DeShields? Yeah, right there. Where I say one of, along with, you know, the person we're speaking to. But it was, you know, pretty neat for me to look out and call a number 23 in Carolina Blue. And that wasn't the one I would, wasn't the main one, but it was still kind of neat. <laughs> right. I, I still remember that uh, just based off the fact that Hannah Kadan wanted to guard her during the session. And she thought that Coach AK had told her, hey, you have 23. And I told her, I said, no, that's, you know, like that's supposed to be my player or whatever. And she's like, no, I'll get her. I said, okay, so I'm not going to, I'm not going to argue. <laughs> and Coach AK is like, Hannah, you don't have her. And I was like, I tried to tell you, but hey, it's okay. Like, we're moving on. <laughs> 
But yeah, being on the floor with some of those players, it's still surreal, but that's the game of basketball. It takes you all around the world. And I mean, just a, a little orange basketball and meeting all these people and going to all these places is really cool. All right. I'm going to throw out some numbers here just to brag on you a little bit more here, Drea. But uh, despite playing just three years, you finished fourth on the career scoring list with 1,932 points at A-State. You're also tied for second in assist in school history with 479. And I think this is my favorite stat here. Your senior year, one of just two players in the country to average at least 18 points, four assists, and shoot over 50%. And the other person that year to do that was Brianna Stewart from UConn. So yeah. that's, that's some pretty good company. Is that the one that kind of stands out to you? Yes. I mean, at the time, obviously, when you think of Brianna Stewart and all that she's done, like collegiate career, and then now as a pro, it's just like, wow. Like, I was up there with those types of players, and that is a really cool stat. And I'm, you know me, I'm not really a, a stats person. I don't know. More people know more about my stats than I do, than I ever did. Still do at that. And um, just to hear some of those numbers, it's like, man, like I did that Hmm. in three years. Crazy. But well, and I'll tell you this. I don't think about your stats. I know you scored a lot of points. I know you had a lot of assists. But what I remember about you and your game is the fact that you never took a bad shot. You never forced anything. You never seemed flustered. You always seemed under control, very poised. And I think that's as big of a compliment as you can give a basketball player because you always seem to be in the moment and understood the situation. Well, the players are at level, and you can see it watching. Like, the game's just slower for them than it is for everybody else. Where'd that come from, Drea? I couldn't even tell you. I mean, I feel like basketball is kind of like a natural God-given ability for me, but... I watched a lot of tape, a lot of film, just to kind of see like something that I'm not seeing that while I'm on the floor, it gives you a different perspective. But I don't know really where all the poise comes from. I have no idea. I couldn't tell you. Because you did everything, like you were tailor-made player to at some time recorded a triple-double. So you just said and said you didn't know the stats and people knew the stats better than you, but was there ever a time – that you knew enough about did you ever go chasing a triple double actually no well okay i never did but there was a game and i don't even remember which game we were playing but i do remember that coach deidre she had said something about you need one more assist one more assist and i was like for what and they were like you got a triple double you're gonna have a triple double and i remember coach b subbed me out <laughs> it was like two minutes <laughs> I mean, I didn't get it, but that was probably the one that I probably was trying to get just based off of Coach D saying it. But I never looked at the score and was like, oh, I got 20 points. I need two more rebounds or whatever the case may be. Like, I just played the game of basketball. Hopefully a win came out on the other side. Well, obviously, Coach Boyer thought enough of you to, after your playing days, hire you as part of his staff. You spent a couple of years on staff at A State. What was that experience like? Very different. I felt like as a family, you know, you're you're the youngest child on staff is what I kind of felt like. But it was different in the aspect of 
getting to play for the guy that still hired you and now you get to work for him. Just seeing the different aspects of what happens on the coaching side of things when we look at it on the player side of things. Um, it's just very different, but I appreciated him for hiring me in those moments. And coaching is, it's, it's hard. I think a lot of people think that it's easy and that you're going to do it for a long time and this and that and the other, but in reality, it's hard. And a lot of it for me, I don't like how a lot of it is based off of wins and losses. I mean, obviously, yes, you like to win and you want to get the best players, but sometimes that doesn't happen. So you got to surround yourself with good people in that, in that career to hold you up when things start to get low. And so, but it was a cool experience. I enjoyed it. Just something that's, I wouldn't say that I would never do again. Just at that time, I probably would have liked to wait a couple of years before I got that position, but I was grateful for the position that I did get. It's an interesting take. It's an interesting take that you think you got there too quickly because right I mean, and you're right it takes i mean a lot of people takes a long time to get to be a division one assistant so when you say that like what do you mean is that just in terms of the age you were was there not enough age difference between you and the players kind of what makes you think you got there maybe a little too fast i would say just based off of like me becoming a coach to some of my teammates that i did yeah. play with gotta be um, some awkwardness there right and and it was actually it wasn't bad because most of the kids or most of the teammates that I had that I played with they respected me enough and kind of saw me in that as a coach kind of anyways on the floor and so when I moved into that role it wasn't really any different it it wasn't too awkward it was just for me I was like okay how do I find that balance of okay I did used to be teammates with this kid and I used to be their friend and you know but now you're trying to balance being a friend and being a coach and and doing all the things. And so that was a little bit difficult for me, but I made it through <laughs> and hopefully they didn't, I didn't lose friendships from it. So that's good. <laughs> I highly doubt that. Look, I, I think it's cool. You did that. I think it's every bit as cool what you're doing now and making a, a difference still. I know you're still doing some coaching, but you're teaching a very special group. Tell us what you're up to, Drea. I am now teaching and coaching at Rockwall High School. I do special education. Right now I'm working with the behavioral group of special education kids. And I'm coaching JV basketball and track. So like you said, it's it's very rewarding on the other side to just give back to kids, which is something that I, I love to do, especially through the game of basketball. I'm grateful that Rockwall has given me the opportunity to do that for those kids. All right, now, don't lie to me, because it's not like I think you sat them down and told them, but do these kids you're coaching know what kind of player you are? There's a few that know. Well, they just got to hit Google. I mean, that's, yeah, that's, that's what I was figuring. Yeah. yeah, not because of me, but our head coach, she's really good at, you know, letting people know like who's on her staff and there's two of us that used to play collegiate basketball and and so she kind of hits on it a little bit but not going too much into detail but she did kind of surprise me last year during a game before the game I got inducted to the McKinney Hall of Fame and she had this whole thing for me during the game 
where I got like a speech or whatever. And they kind of announced my name and all this kind of stuff. And so some of the girls, like, obviously they didn't know. They were like, wow, like, dang, you're a hall of famer. I was like, yeah, I don't really talk about it, but yeah, I did do some things. But two time hall of famer. Yeah. Well, actually Uh three three time Kilgore actually inducted me as well. So this is all, yeah, this is all kind of like back to back. So it it was crazy when when Arkansas State <laughs> called. It was crazy. Tell right now, if I was Denver, I'd just put you in too, just for the heck of it. <laughs> I that tell you what, Drea, this is a really cool event. I'm really really excited about you coming, and it's one that I'm I always look forward to hosting every year. And when I saw you were going in, I'm going to tell you the truth. I was really really excited to be the one that gets to induct you and bring you up onto the stage coming up on Friday night, and I can't wait to do that. Yes, I'm looking forward to it. That's Andrea Gamble joining us here on the Second to None podcast presented by Simmons Bank. We've got much more to come right after this. When we play today, we win something bigger than ribbons or trophies. We win our tomorrows. Wherever we play, wherever we fight, wherever we overcome odds, we're winning our way. Simmons Bank is committed to supporting women athletes in the communities we serve and are proud to be an official sponsor of A-State Women's Athletics. Not just for a season, but for a winning future. Seasons are short, but fierce is forever. Simmons Bank, member FDIC. Red Wolves fans, this is Coach Destiny Rogers, and I'm asking you to help our student athletes by donating to the Impact Club. This is an organization that highlights our commitment to teamwork while raising awareness and support for our local community programs. Make a monthly commitment and get access to team letters, special gear, and exclusive access that you won't find anywhere else. Find out more and give today at impactclub.com. That's impact spelled I-M-P-A-C-K-T club.com. Your support makes a real difference in the lives of our student athletes and in the future of our sports program. Wolves up. Football team picking up their first win of the season Saturday. Great to get in the win column as A-State defeated Stony Brook 31-7. Some storylines in this game. We'll start with the quarterback position. J.T. Shrout injured his ankle in the second half of the Memphis game the week before. He was in uniform, but we knew going in he wasn't going to play. So Jackson Daly, the redshirt freshman, gets his first career start at quarterback and offense got off to a really nice start yep. they scored 17 first quarter points and really started from the very first play a 44 yard run by jaquez cross jaquez cross stands to the left of the quarterback jackson daly give it to cross up the middle cuts left breaks the tackle across the 30 35 40 cross across midfield high steps across the 40 inside the 35 all the way down to the 31 yard line how about that start It's a 44-yard run for Jaquez Cross. And what a night he had. 15 carries for 164 yards. He had a couple of touchdowns, including a 66-yarder late in the first quarter. First running back for the Red Wolves to go over 150 yards since Marcel Murray in 2019. But you see what everybody talks about when they talk about that wow factor with Jaquez. He also had a 41-yard kickoff return, so over 200 all-purpose yards the other night. But he was really fun to watch. You know, it's just good to have that guy that just can outrun people, right? I mean, you got those bruisers that can turn three yards into to six, and then you got good backs who might hit the hole and might not be that fast, and they can turn 20 into 12. But then yeah. when you get that guy that can give him a little daylight and all of a sudden he can take one to the house that doesn't come around all the time 
Zach Wallace also had 10 carries for 57 yards and a one-yard touchdown run in the first quarter. You know, really banged up on the defensive line going in. Ethan Hassler's out the next four weeks. Tank Sujic out for the season at defensive tackle. Micah Bland was out. You needed some guys to kind of step up, and one guy that did was Nate Marty. All marked in the center of the field. The second quarter begins. Casey Case under pressure, and he's set. He ran right into Nate Marty, the Princeton transfer, getting his first start at defensive tackle. Marty with the sack sets up second and long. He played really well. I guess the big story came in the second half. It's still 17-0. It was 17-0 after one, but it's still 17-0, little past the midway point in the third quarter. And Coach Jones had told us Thursday that he wanted Jalen Rayner to get an opportunity. And this is a true freshman quarterback that had some really incredible numbers in high school. Mm -hmm. I think his senior year of high school, he had something ridiculous. 40 touchdowns, three interceptions, and he rushed for nearly 20 more touchdowns. And we've seen just how dynamic he can be in practice, but... I think everybody was looking forward to seeing how he would perform in that game setting. But as soon as he comes in, he goes on a 32-yard run, dodges a couple of guys, and all of a sudden there was this jolt of electricity that hadn't been there. And I think everybody kind of got a glimpse. Now, this is a true freshman playing in his first career game, so you don't want to set the bar too high just yet. At the same time, it was really fun to watch for a quarter and a half the other night. It was. You do get that glimpse. So you got to factor in, you know, there's not, I mean, with all due respect, there's, sure. there's not another Stony Brook on the schedule for the rest of the year. So it was the right spot to get him up there. And then, you, and then again, the rest of us, we've got to be realistic. And you saw it. We all saw it. And we heard about it. And you watched it in camp. Like, right, this guy, he's got the highest ceiling mm-hmm. from a, just from ability to just go make something out of nothing. But then, you know, in between these peaks, there's going to be times where he plays like an 18-year-old true freshman because that's what he is. But it was good to to get that glimpse, and you, you didn't take long to see kind of what this coaching staff was so excited about going back to your spring football. Remember, he's an early enrollee and came went through the spring, and I think that's part of why you're able to see him already on the field right now. Big part. Raider claps his hands for it, throws right side, caught. Courtney Jackson is into the end zone. Touchdown, Arkansas State. Jalen Raider with his first career touchdown pass. In his limited time, less than a quarter and a half, Jalen Raider was four of six through the air, 78 yards, a touchdown, and he also had 57 rushing yards, 345 rushing yards on the night Saturday for the Red Wolves. That's the most since 2014, so you're going back nine years there. But there was a moment in the second half, and Coach Jones and I talked about this on the TV show Sunday. We had seven true freshmen on the field on offense. Our quarterback, our running back, our three wideouts, our tight end, and our center, all true freshmen. And I asked him if he's had anything close to that in his coaching career. He said no. I mean, well, I, seven funny, true freshmen. It's funny you say that because I'm actually looking at a tweet. We'll cite a state nation for this tweet. They put out a list of 11 true freshmen who played in the game Saturday night. Kind of mind-blowing when you think about it. I think it's kind of cool. Oh, without a doubt. And look, this coaching staff – loves this freshman class how fun is Cedric Hawkins to watch the Stuttgart native he came in and on his first carry the other night goes 28 yards 
So he's another guy that you can get excited about. Most exciting rice bird since Orrin O'Neill, huh? I think he's up there. Yeah. <laughs> I, know. I, was, I don't know. People don't always get excited about fullbacks, but Orrin O'Neill was a We got excited about Orrin. Yeah, yeah he, he sure was. And went on to play in the NFL after he left A-State. So the question this week, I'm sure from everybody, naturally, will be about the quarterbacks. And Coach Jones has addressed that and says, hey, whoever has the best week of practice, that's who's going to start against Southern Miss in the conference opener. And that makes a lot of sense. And JT should be available if they decide to go that route. We'll talk more about the conference opener against Southern Miss and tell you everything else that's happening in the world of A-State athletics when we come back to wrap things up here on the Second to None podcast presented by Simmons Bank right after this. The Simmons Bank Card Alerts app lets you get more from your Simmons debit and credit cards. Set transaction alerts to be notified of certain card activity and choose how you receive each alert. You can suspend your card, set a spend limit, or decline specific transaction types. You can even manage multiple cards. So get more control, more convenience, and more peace of mind with your Simmons Bank debit and credit cards. Learn more at SimmonsBank.com forward slash debit card. Simmons Bank, member FDIC. This is Coach Butch Jones, and we need you to help our A-State athletic programs by donating to the Impact Club. This is an organization that is making a real difference in the lives of our student-athletes. Make a monthly commitment and get access to team newsletters, special gear, and exclusive access that you will not find anywhere else. Find out more and give today at impactclub.com. That's impact spelled I-M-P-A-C-K-T club.com. Your support is greatly appreciated and is helping our program right now wolves up men's golf team getting their season underway last week finished fourth out of 14 teams at the golf week fall challenge that was at Polly's island south carolina and how about the week for thomas schmidt he was a co-medalist rounds of 66 64 and 69 that 54 hole total is second lowest in program history one off the program record of 198 it's the first career win for thomas Schmidt. He was also named the Sunbelt Conference Men's Golfer of the Week, but uh, really, really solid start to the season. Yeah, he was 14 under through two rounds. He's probably ticked off by shooting 69 <laughs> in round three. That's when you know you're locked in. This week, the golf team competing at the Bearcat Invitational in Cincinnati. Speaking of Cincinnati, the women's golf team was there last week. They were fifth out of 11 teams at the Jennifer Duke Invitational. They'll be back in action next Monday and Tuesday, the 25th and 26th, at the Golf Week Red Sky Classic in Vail, Colorado. I imagine that's a pretty good place to play. Yeah, not bad. I, I can imagine. I was thinking the same thing. <laughs> Cross country. How about their weekend? The men and the women taking first place at the Rhodes Invitational. That was in Memphis on Saturday. Soccer team opening conference play Friday with a 2-0 loss to James Madison. They're now 2-4-1 and one on the season. They'll host Texas State Thursday at 2 to complete the current homestand. Then they'll be on the road for the first time in conference play Sunday at noon when they go down to Hattiesburg to take on Southern Miss. We got to watch a lot of that James Madison match. Yeah, this team is, and we talked even going back to the couple of things, including that Oklahoma State match. They're they're starting to play defense the way we're used to Coach Dooley's teams playing it. And I would imagine you're know, still kind of looking for that person now you can go to and, and hopefully uh, get you a score when you need one. Brian Gerwig can thank us for having him in yep. last week. 
What do you do when you come in on the podcast? Well, later in the week, you go a perfect 3-0. and You take all three matches at the Bear Invitational in Springfield, Missouri. Volleyball now 10-2 and on the season. They've won their last five, and they're rolling, going into conference play, which begins this weekend at Georgia Southern. They'll play Friday at 5 and then Saturday at noon. Three all-tournament picks, including the MVP. Caitlin Whitlock was the MVP of the Bear Invitational. They've already topped last season's win total. Yeah, they won nine last year. And they're sitting at 10-2, and two, heading into conference play. So get ready. Like, circle your calendars right now, A-State fans. Next weekend, this team gets back home for the first time in over a month. So hopefully a big crowd will welcome them in there. They come home next Friday and Saturday to take on the Cajuns. Football will wrap up the three-game homestand Saturday at 6. They'll take on Southern Miss little bit of a revenge factor in this game because this is one and we talked about those fourth quarter leads we led in eight of the 12 last year including the game in Hattiesburg which when you look back at it that might have been the most heartbreaking because you had a double digit lead it felt like that game was in hand last year at Southern Miss so hopefully a little payback on Saturday and even last year notwithstanding It'd be easy for me to say this as the marketing guy, but this ain't marketing. I'm saying this is more like the old radio guy. To me, this game just seems absolutely huge. If you want to get to six and become bowl eligible, plus you're starting conference play, you'd like Let's to be able to. One and oh, yeah. And you look back over, and I need to go back and, and look at this again, but more often than not, the last handful of years, probably going back even further than that, we've opened conference on the road. This is actually rare to open conference play at home, and we get to do that Saturday, and hopefully we can take advantage of that. Hope so, and hopefully everybody will kind of jump on board for a big one. Like cliche though it may be, like everything happened at this point doesn't really matter because you really are you know, zero and zero in the part that matters Saturday night. So just think of it like getting open the season at home. Looks like the weather right now is going to be really good again. So let's make a little hay Saturday night. All right. We let off this podcast. You mentioned <laughs> that we had some things to discuss yeah. as far as everything that's going on inside the stadium and a couple of things in particular. Uh-huh. So go ahead. You've so got the floor. I, uh, it really just boiled down to not ever getting the time to. Uh, so I'm glad it got saved for here because I really intended for this to almost be a Twitter thread at a lot of different points during last week and it just never happened. So we are going behind the scenes of the Arkansas State Red Wolves chant. Let's right hear here. it. Part of what I do, right, is write the game script. What's happening when? Now, the first time I had control of that was the second home game last season. So at that point, you're doing it's a lot of plug and play and changing and maybe just tweaking some stuff here, putting your touches on it. But really, once you get the first game in, the script's kind of the script, barring mm-hmm. just some changes. So I looked at last year, and then I went back for as far as I could find scripts in our database. How many seasons back I could see where there were still the files of the game script. In terms of the four quarters of play, the Arkansas State Red Wolves chant has not, I should say. It's not on the script. Been in the script. There's never a set time in the game itself where that chant is just supposed to happen. So it's just a 100% fan-led happening. It has been. There is a place, so I'm a, here's the exception. The place where that's always been scripted is in the pregame. In between the time where the band finishes its thing, it makes its part of the tunnel, in between that and the intro, it's always in the game script to be the Arkansas State Red Bulls chant. It's always there. 
it was there in the script at that spot for the Memphis game. We got off schedule. And so the intro is going to start when the intro starts. Because this thing, it's really more intricate than a lot of people have a reason to know. The stuff in the pregame is timed out to the set. And it got, and something ran long, whatever, but we were off schedule. So eventually, when it came time to play the intro, the thing that had to go was the Arkansas State Red Wolves chant. Here's what you all don't know. And I'm glad I didn't go on Twitter and tell you. Because I was going to go on Twitter last week and break some news that for the first time, oh, for the first time. I was scripting the Arkansas State Red Wolves chant in the game. It was in the game script, in the game. First time out, second quarter, immediately following the Red Wolves dancers. The rest of that time out was going to be set aside for the cheerleaders to lead the Arkansas State Red Wolves chant. And that was the only time out of the game that got brought on by an injury timeout. And so when the player's down, yeah, we can't do anything. Or we're not going to do anything. Mm-hmm. I won't say we can't. There's no rule on that. We're just not going to do anything when a player's down. I get it. So is, and, and is meanwhile, the, the clock's running because they're in the TV timeout. Look, when they get a player up and he's and you can tell he's headed off the field, then we'll move forward. And we had enough time for the Red Wolves dancers to still get their dance in, and that was the end of the timeout. So again, what got bumped was the Arkansas State Red Wolves chant, which nobody knew was scripted in the first place because it's never been in the game script for the actual game itself so we'll go into saturday night heads up go on twitter and say i said this go on facebook and say i said this we'll go into saturday night with the same plan that immediately after the red wolves dancers dance we're gonna do the arkansas state red first time out second quarter first time out second quarter then the other hot also when you don't win the memphis game there aren't enough replays you're talking replays period because you and i had to figure this out (laughs) i i thought a certain fan was asking about just replay reviews and showing when a, a play is being reviewed upstairs. You're talking about just replays, replays in on general. The board. Replays on the board. Got a tweet during the game like, hey, are we going to have any replays? And like, there's no response to that because I'm not kidding you. Hand to God, we replayed the first play of the game was when the replay started. The first play from scrimmage was the first replay of the night. 44-yard run. Time doesn't always allow to go get a replay in because there's other stuff happening. We're also going to get the live, you know, we got to get hopefully back to live action or maybe sometimes just didn't have the angle worth replay. So there's any number of reasons that something may not be ready for a replay. Can't put a number on it because I was very mindful about the fact that we're going to have plenty of replays Saturday night. So if you looked up there and all of a sudden the one play you want to see didn't get replayed, I apologize, but that don't <laughs> turn that into there were no replays. <laughs> hey, that popcorn's going to taste great. It's going to. Hey, don't forget to bring your cup. You bought that souvenir cup this year. Don't forget to bring that thing back and get it refilled. If you haven't bought one yet, don't forget $10 for all season. That's a good deal. Best deal in America. $10 for soda the rest of the season. I didn't even know that was a thing. $10 and you can ref- you can bring it back with you and refill it all season long. We hope to see you there. Saturday at 6 as the Red Wolves take on Southern Miss. We really, really appreciate our friend Andrea Gamble for joining us. Man, what a great visit we had with her. Just great to see her and her doing so well and what she's doing right now. But I can't wait to see her coming up Friday for the Hall of Honor Banquets. For Brad, I'm Matt. Have a great week, everybody. We'll see you Saturday.